Welcome to the Advancing Women in Tourism podcast, where we connect with women in the Queensland tourism sector to provide practical strategies, support and inspiration to build resilience and assist in recovery during turbulent times. This podcast has been made possible with the support of the Queensland Government and Queensland Tourism Industry Council. Welcome, ladies. Thank you again for accepting my invitation to participate in this, which is the sixth week of our Advancing Women in Business webinar and podcast series. So thank you very much. I'm absolutely delighted that you can attend today and be able to share what's happening in your regions, how you feel about what's happened around the, the COVID, the safe plans. I know there was just a comment then um, with Renee about an, ex an experience in Mackay, which you'll share with us. So what I'd like you to do first is to introduce yourselves. This is all about connecting, engaging and supporting women. So what you have to say today is helping inspire other women about what's happening in this situation and, and they might be able to take some tips from you. I'd also like to, before you introduce yourself, is introduce Bindi. Bindi is from the Ethical Change Agency and Bindi just looks after um, all the participants that come on. As, you, as the panellists speak, uh, Bindi will also be putting up your website just so they know. For the participants that are there, if you'd like to let us know where you're from, it's always interesting. Thank you. I appreciate it. So we might start with Judy. Would you like to introduce yourself, your business, and um, where you're at at the moment? Hello, everybody. Nice to meet you. Um, well, we um, have the Longreach Motor Inn in Longreach, and we also own Saltbush Retreat. Uh, there's two couples that own the two businesses. We came to the Long Reach Motor in about 12 years ago, um, and it's a mainly it's it's a very strong corporate motel. And then we obviously in winter we have the the tourists travel uh, and stay with us as well. So um, our restaurant closed um, in March. It's a Harry's restaurant is a <clears throat> very well-regarded restaurant out here and really the only um, restaurant other than hotels and clubs um, for a, a long, a, you know, the region really. Um, so that was a devastation for not only us but also for the locals um, and that, I guess, was the biggest, that took the biggest toll here. Uh, not necessarily um, wasn't the biggest financial toll, but certainly having to lay down, lay off all our staff and close everything down and certainly ran the message home of what was happening. Um, so, yeah, I guess I can... How, how many staff do you have, Judy? Or did well, you we had... Um, we, we have... We hover around the 20. Wow. Um, through the season, we pick up to sometimes up to 25 um, and we were just geared up. We had all our staff ready to kick into the season. The bookings were strong. Um, we, all of our permanent staff, uh, our one chef we kept on. Um, we continued to offer room service to our clients in-house. We chose not to go down the takeaway path because some of the hotels and clubs already did that to some extent and we're going to ramp that up. So with with a small population base, we felt it was better to let those that were going to do it at least have the opportunity of getting everybody rather than all of us having small numbers um, and that way we were also controlling our costs. Um, so all of our, so we had one chef we've kept on and um, our two, well, uh, senior management, one management staff other than the owners and then one other receptionist. Um, and they all, you know, share other duties. And then we just have our some of our long-term casuals. Um, so, so, Judy, just to put it into perspective, what is the population of Longreach? Oh, a little bit over 3,000. So to employ 20, 25 staff is, is very significant for a population yes, like yes, that. Yes, yes, it is. It's, it's, it's really, uh, we are a major employer in town. Council and, um, well, obviously the government 
places would be bigger employers, but then um, Stockman's and Qantas, and we'd be right up there with, you know, the top three or four in town. Great. Well, thanks, Judy. We'll come back to you. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, Nikki, hi. How are you from Cairns? Hello, yes. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Oh, good afternoon, everybody now. I'm oh, it is too. Beautiful Cairns in the background oh. here today. <laughs> but Nikki has positioned herself at on the beautiful marina there, so just to show off the beautiful skies yes. and water. Tell us yeah, a little bit about what you do. Uh, so I, open, I operate a few businesses in Cairns in the tourism sector. Um, one of them is the Bad Fishy Jet Boat, so a jet boating operation in adventure tourism sector. And another one is a boat hire business where you can take boats out to the reef and also little pontoon barbecue boats. And then I also um, own an, a super yacht agency where we do a lot of the provisioning uh, work for visiting super yachts into the region as well. And I do some consultancy work for other tourism businesses also within Queensland and also in other states. So um, I guess from uh, from our business perspective, in terms of the businesses that I own and operate, we had to close them on the 23rd of March, the jet boat and the boat hire business in line with the regulations in the state. And uh, last month we were able to open up the boat hire business and this Saturday we're reopening the jet boat business and the super yacht business is kind of starting to build momentum but we're waiting on some additional provisions around borders opening before we can um, progress a few of opportunities that we've got there as well. So, Nikki, tell me, um, as far as product and packaging, has there been anything specifically changed as you're starting to open up with the boat hire? Well, we always um, sat within the local segment as well as domestic and international and um, in the cruise ship market as well. So we have really had to refocus what we're doing on the local space initially and then in the domestic space. Um, and and that's kind of okay. We've just shifted our marketing and our advertising and started to really focus on what those markets want at this point in time. And they want a bit of escapism and fun and to feel safe within their products that they're choosing. So we've really um, focused on providing those things for those markets and, um, you know, obviously putting a pause on what we're doing with the cruise ship market and the international market but not putting a pause on the relationships there, so keeping those relationships alive so when the time comes we'll be able to kind of reignite what we're doing in those spaces as well. Uh, In terms of packaging, um, cans are slowly, slowly coming out of this. Um, We are working collaboratively as a destination and there is talk about packaging but a lot of us are just getting our feelers into what our operations look like and feel like Mm. right now and today before we progress those discussions, I guess, too much. It's getting getting our operations back and functioning, getting staff back, putting our COVID safe practices in place have been the priorities at this point in time. It is a little bit of a, a wait and see situation. You you know what you had prior, but as the, the borders, well, as the state starts to open up, what you look like. So, but really thrilled to hear that, you know, that sense of collaboration from a regional perspective is still very strong in Cairns. So, great. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Renee. How are you? Tell us a little bit about Cape Hillsborough. It's a stunning part. Let everybody know exactly where it is too. Hi, um, good morning, everyone. Oh, yes, good afternoon, everyone. Um, so, Cape Hillsborough Nature Tourist Park, um, it's just located 40 minutes north of Mackay. Um, it's a beautiful drive all the way out here. It's a beautiful countryside, and then you come to this stunning beach location. So, hubby Ben and I have been here for eight years now, um, and we're doing a fair amount of renovations throughout the park. So, we've got accommodation as well as camping, um, and we're literally situated right on the beach. And basically from when we've been here, we've slowly but surely been promoting um, the bullies and the kangaroos at sunrise. Um, and it has literally taken off and, and has become quite well known internationally as well. Um, so it basically has gone from having people around about 20 people um, going down there each morning and we're now up above over 100 um, people or more every morning. Um, so, yeah, so we've gotten to the point where that did end up getting handed over to Mackay Tourism to take care of. So we no longer look after the experience and Mackay Tourism have been looking after that for around about two and a half years now. Excellent. And I think when I spoke to you uh, a week or so ago, the, the uh, announcement had just been made that we were opening up Queensland to Queenslanders and you said, I'm being slammed. 
So the bookings are slowly coming through, are they? Um, they're coming through thick and fast. So we did close off on the 25th of March. So we're closed for two and a half months. We went through and did a whole stack of renovations throughout the whole park. And even as soon as that announcement came through, we weren't ready to open up straight away because we couldn't do it within the 24-hour period. But honestly, the amount of bookings, we're still playing catch-up to, you know, do the deposits and, you know, send those confirmations through. It, it's just I'm basically from 7 until 7, if not 7 till 10 each day. Just It's just full on. And are these predominantly for school holidays or is it over a period of time? No, so we've just experienced two weekends in a row fully booked out. Um, it's just been phenomenal. Um, the weekdays we're sitting around about anywhere between 30 to 50% full during the weekdays. Um, and school holidays, it's starting to get really hard to actually get people in on dates that they're requesting. Um, so the school holidays is looking really busy, but we're definitely getting clientele anywhere far south as Brisbane and as far north as Cairns. So they're all definitely travelling within Queensland, which is fantastic. So it's Queenslanders supporting Queenslanders. That's great to hear because if they're getting in their cars and they're driving up to see you, hopefully they'll make some stops along the way and Hopefully they'll head even further north up through to Cairns and, and experience some of Nikki's products. I'd love to come back to Definitely. you and, and have a chat about, you know, you were talking about renovations, some of the things that you're doing. So I'll come back shortly. Lisa, beautiful Butterham. Tell us a little bit about um, yourself, your your where, where you're located and um, your very well-known restaurant. Yes, um, my husband and I have had the business Harry's on Budroom um, for two and a half years. My husband's the chef. Um, we moved up from Melbourne with our three daughters. So um, our restaurant's an old Queenslander. Um, she's 140 years old this year and it's situated within Budroom Forest Park. So it's not very far from the centre of Maroochydore, like eight minutes but um, there's a beautiful rainforest walk that you can do to the Serenity Falls um, and we have veranda dining and I'm sitting in the private room at the moment as well. So what's the um, capacity of the restaurant? Just to yeah, the, the capacity is usually 60 seats, 60 sit down or 100 stand up. But at the moment, because of our COVID regulations, we, we're treating it as two rooms. So on the veranda... We have 20 and then inside is 12. We, we can usually do 36 seated. So we've lost quite a lot of functions mm -hmm. because we, we're not allowed to hold any more than that. Um, so, yeah, that's been a bit hard. But everybody's been, the community up here is so happy and helpful. Um, we initially, uh, when we had to close, we kept going with takeaway. So we had to let all the staff go and my husband and I just operated takeaway. So we didn't do lasagnas and soups like everybody up down Budrum Main Street. Um, we're off the main drag, so we don't get much um, traffic coming past. And people know us for our good food. Um, my husband's a formerly a two-hatted chef from Melbourne, so um, we give a pretty good feed. <laughs> so we still wanted to give them the beautiful local produce that we try and use as much as we can with our, um, we're a member of FAN and the snail of approval. Um, so, yeah, we still gave them a beautiful product, uh, like duck legs, everything. We filled as much as we could into the takeaway containers um, and then they picked it up from the front of the restaurant. So we had a lot of weekly regulars come into the um, order and, um, yeah, it was really, really good. It just kept us keep the brand alive um, and keep paying the bills, of course, um, and then we were lucky enough to get the overdraft and get the job keeper so our staff could come back. Um, but, yeah, now we're functioning on 50%. It was a bit different when we had the 10, when we were only allowed 10 within the restaurant. But, yeah, we just kept going. Everyone's pretty understanding um, and they're really enjoying themselves. We've made a point of not having time seatings because we never have and people have taken that time to come out and really celebrate. Um, they're really enjoying beautiful food and drinking lots of wine and um, booking us out. So we're really happy. You've got a very loyal following and a lot of that been established through your social media. So is there anything yes. that you've been doing there that's been a bit different? Um, I just keep 
constantly, uh, two stories at morning, at night, and one a day. And I've also found there's a local Facebook that started up just before COVID, uh, Restaurant and Takeaway for the Sunshine Coast. And that grew from when I, I didn't join it before. We actually went on two weeks already pre plan leave over Easter. So that was nice to have a break. But when we came back, I joined that. And that was on 16,000 people. And now it's up to nearly 21,000. And that was free advertising for us. So I put on our, um, when we knew we were reopening, I just put our little video on there as a teaser. So all these people who'd never been to Harry's before didn't know about us. And yeah, that was, that was organically seen by thousands of people. It was really, really good. So I just do a weekly post on there as well. Um, but yeah, just keeping, the same kind of, we're only having one menu. We're not having our lunch special. Um, but, yeah, people are still loving Harry's, which is we're really very, very grateful for. Fantastic. Um, I know, Lisa, you and I uh, met a couple of years ago when you attended yes. one of my workshops, and I know we were talking about social media there, and I've been following um, Harry's over that period of time and the quality of your postings, the the engagement and the stories behind have really kept me motivated and interested and obviously have done the same. So well done. Thank you. Thank Excellent. you, Kayleen. Joanna, hello. The Great Barrier Reef Aquarium. What's it? Reef HQ. Yeah, so I'm from Reef HQ Aquarium in Townsville and we're the National Education Centre for the Great Barrier Reef. So we're very lucky in that we're government funded. And so we were considered essential workers. So during um, COVID, we did close on March 23rd as per a lot of other tourist attractions, but we were able to retain all of our staff, including our casuals. So during the closure, we focused, um, normally we deliver a school holiday program with mermaids, which is one of our biggest kind of promotions. Um, and so we moved all of our school holiday programming to Facebook for Facebook Lives. Um, so we were still able to deliver those educational messages. And um, we did those pretty much weekly up until a few weeks ago, but we're about to start them again um, from this week, ready for the next lot of school holidays because we won't reopen until just afterwards, um, until the 13th of July. Um, and, yeah, I guess we're in a very unique position because we're um, actually closing next year for renovations wow. for about 12 months so we're kind of in a stage of trying to reopen but also trying to close and so we've had to change a lot of our business operations to allow for that including our membership program so that's been a massive focus for us during the closure and how to compensate members during the disruption to their annual pass because we can't extend it we don't have time to extend it because of the closure um, and, yes, we've just still been, it's almost business as usual, but we're just moving more into that digital space to deliver what we normally would. And the, um, the lives that you do, is that connected to an actual curriculum for schools? Um, so we have, I guess, two different teams. We have the marketing team and we uh, manage the social media and so the Facebook Lives. We've partnered with education and a lot of those lives have been linked to our daily talks and tours program. And then our education team have also been focusing on curriculum-based lessons that they've been putting up through YouTube. So we've had the two different streams of content going out. And, Joanna, you've said that um, as, as a link through to government, everybody was retained and employed, but I'm assuming most people worked from home. How did you, how did you gain that sense of, you know, camaraderie? How did you keep in communication with each other? Yeah, I guess being an aquarium, we did need staff on site every day to look after the animals and the life support systems. And for us, all of our content is the aquarium. So we did a lot of split shifts um, over the course. Um, and so we had lots of Zoom catch-ups like everyone else. Um, our volunteers, we set up a private Facebook group for, and we've been doing a few different Facebook lives in with them and different posts just with them and we did like a Zoom party where we took them around the aquarium at one point um, during that closure. Um, but I guess we've been lucky because we've had to be on site in order to deliver our work because um, for some of us that's, you know, that's our whole world is the aquarium. 
And it's a fabulous attraction. I, I worked in Towns Hall for six years and I've visited it many a times. We've had fabulous functions where we were in the, you know, the tunnels with the sharks and everything. Yeah, so um, thank you for that, Joanna. Um, I'll come back to you. Uh, actually, before I do go, the, the renovation that you're about to do, how long will you be closed for? Uh, so we're expecting a period up to 12 months. Um, oh, wow. The funding we received is for over four years, but we'll do the majority of the work in that first year um, because some of it's for our our acrylic windows into the tanks and we can't do that when we have public. So we'll focus a lot on those, um, I guess, the exhibits and the public space that we can't do when we're open. Okay. So everybody needs to make take advantage of you while you're open through to that um, school holidays and Christmas period. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. Nikki, I know that you have to leave um, earlier. So I, I was just wondering, you've got a cross-section of different businesses that were impacted because of the closure with COVID-19. Mm -hmm. you know, from, from an operational point of view, were there any key learnings that, that you had because of COVID that, that it allowed you time to identify these things or particular actions that you needed to take from an operational or a marketing perspective? Um, I think initially we were very honest with our clients on our social media. So we um, own a business that we were passionate about. We've built up over years. We have a local following that's very loyal. Um, we gave a very heartfelt <laughs> um, we're pausing the business video, um, nice. which just received so many comments of kind of goodwill and support. And it was, not, it was really lovely to kind of hear. And then we very quickly thought, well, we're going to try and make the most use of this time in terms of the operation that shut down. And so we pulled boats out of the marina and thought, well, we'll, main, we'll do all of the maintenance that we would normally schedule at different times of the year in one big chunk in our backyard <laughs> um, because we couldn't really, you know, we didn't really know where we'd be able to access, what commercial facilities would be open. And so we were able to deploy some of our staff into doing that work and I'm so glad that we did because Queen, the Queensland government allowed people to go fishing on hire boats from the 2nd of May and we never forecast that that would happen so quickly. Mm -hmm. So it meant that when the time came to open our business or at least an element of our business, we were given about 48 hours notice that we could trade and the phones started ringing as soon as the Queensland government had said people can hire boats again. So um. I'm glad that we were kind of agile and nimble. It, it is operationally much easier, I think, to hibernate a business than it is to reopen it. Yeah. Particularly when you've got all of these COVID, um, you know, rules and regu regulations in place that you have to navigate as well. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how we adjusted to make things work as best as possible. And, and now we're putting in the jet boat from this Saturday again tweaking the operation now we have to make sure that we have different check-in times for all of our guests in terms of the hire boats and the jet boats so that we don't have too many people within our business at one time and um, a lot of the things that they had asked for in terms of hygiene and keeping records of passenger details we were already doing but it was just a matter of retraining and focusing the staff on the importance of this information now for an additional reason not just the reasons historically why we had this information I guess, kept from marine purposes. Now there's a health and safety protocol that sits behind it as well. And just talking about staff, how what's the level of staff and, and how have you kept them engaged or brought them back in to try to restart? In? Yes. Yeah. So um, our staff, we have two full-time staff and then my husband and I and they stayed with us for the duration of this time. Mm. Um, we... And they are usually driving the product or the front of our business in an operational role. So we gave them a bit of breathing space for the first week when we closed the business down because everybody's life was in a bit of turmoil. And then we had them in that maintenance role. And then they're back in operation now driving, again, the experience for our customers. And we as a team went through all of the COVID restrictions, brainstormed and worked out how they would fit into our safety management systems and they've been involved in the process the entire way. So I would like to think for them professionally, they've also had some skills that they've developed, business skills that they've developed as a result of this as well that hopefully will assist them as they move forward in their careers as along with our business as well. And now we're at the stage where 
I don't think that our business will trade in the same terms that it did historically because we've still got a chunk of the market that's missing. But it, it is starting to gear up and, and our hope is that at least while JobKeeper is here and, and hopefully if it's got an extension for our industry that we'll continue to support them in full-time capacities and should we not be able to, we'll, we'll have to work around that. But I don't see the situation where we would be letting them go completely. We're just really working on getting our business to a point where it can continue to support that labour moving forward post-JobKeeper. Look, I, I love the point that you raised in regard to including them into the discussion, including them, you know, allowing them to be part of the solution and not just part of the problem. It's a really empowering thing that you did and it helped build that resilience. We don't realise while we're going through that process that, that we're actually building that resilience muscle. It's often down the track and in hindsight, you look and go, oh, that's what we did. You know, we brainstormed solutions and that's, that is a skill and a technique that they can take into the future and go, it doesn't matter how bad it gets, let's just have a look at the lay of the land. So I congratulate you on, on doing that because it's often, you know, it can be easier just for the owners just to get in and make decisions and let everybody know what they are instead of being all inclusive. So well done on yeah. that. Yeah, thank you. And, and uh, my, my apologies, um, as I mentioned to you, Kayleen, we are um, yep. relaunching part of the business and so now all the local media are, got meetings with over the next few days which is again you know indicative of a very supportive community now that's all excited to see the destination do well and to get behind its businesses so uh, apologies to everyone I'm leaving a bit earlier today but it's exciting anyhow to have that support and is there a, a final word of wisdom that you would like to part as as the state opens up um I think just in terms of supporting our our backyard it's been so lovely to be a recipient of that support and I am so thankful that in return we're going to really try and give it back where we can as well I'm excited to see the rest of the state after the school holidays we'll probably take a week and do a little bit of traveling out to Andara or some areas cobalt boards that I've never been to as well and it's surprising you know what's in our own backyard that I've never experienced so it's a great excuse to to support our, our little pocket of the world at this time and um yeah I'm, I'm very thankful for the support that we have received absolutely congratulations and good luck with your media interviews getting the word out about what you've been doing and um how it's opening up i really appreciate taking the time thanks great Nikki. thank you good luck yeah. everybody thanks so much for sharing the stories thanks Kelly. thank you Cheers. bye judy if i can um just go back to you again so your property is a, a little different from the fact that it was, particularly with the, the Long Reach Motoring, was more of a, a corporate. And yes. I, you did make mention that you were, with some of the staff that you had kept on, that you were providing, you know, food through to the people. Did you, did you actually have guests during that COVID stay that required to be with you? Yes. Yes, we, we, we had guests all the way through. Um, <clears throat> we had obviously essential um, workers that were travelling right. out here. Um, and um, <clears throat> April was very quiet, um, but other, and I think everyone was in a state of, you know, shock and nothing much, no one knew anything. And so it was very quiet. But from towards the end of April and then on to May, we've seen this gradual pickup. Um, so the, the corporate um, travellers did increase and then, of course, once um, the Premier announced the opening up of Queensland, our phone ran hot. Um, so, you know, we, we're obviously not going to see the sort of occupancies that we traditionally do see out here at this time of year, but um, it is certainly a lot better than it had been. I, I believe the, the Premier is actually in Longreach today, so that's giving yes. us a bit more exposure to your destination, which is great. Yes, yes, she is, and um, I've missed some of the things this morning, but there's some a roundtable uh, discussion this afternoon that we'll all get to and um, have a little bit to say. Well, it's great that there's a focus on the outback. Just before yes. I leave you, you made mention about Saltbush Retreat. Do you want to tell us yes. a little bit about that? Uh, yes, so Saltbush Retreat, um, we were fortunate to be in the position to buy a couple of years ago. So it had been 
the previous owners had developed um, beautiful luxury accommodation there, slab huts and homestead stables. So that um, has gone um, mad for the school holidays. <clears throat> and, in fact, I think, um, you know, for the majority of the school holidays, it's fully booked now. So well, there's a few few days just, here and there. Just explain what Saltbush is. You said slab huts and a homestead. So is it self-contained or is it like yes. getting breakfast? Or? So it, it's fully self-contained. The, the original um, property was were just sort of standard the standard um, cabins that you get everywhere and then the development about five or six years ago started and so the, the slab huts are a, a style to um, reflect the life of um, pioneers, of Australian pioneers in the early days and they literally, they used to build the huts, they just cut the slab off the side of the timber and then put them together so that's why they were called the slab huts. These are, of course, got all the modern comforts and they are beautifully appointed. And then the homestead stables are um, <coughs> styled to um, the stables and, um, well, a combination of homestead and the stables, but they're, again, beautifully appointed. And um, we were fortunate last year to win um, the Gold Award of Tourism Queensland um, Award for, for self-contained accommodation. Congratulations. Well done. Mm, and just, just exactly what's the location, just so people know? Where is so it is um, just next to uh, the Hall of Fame, opposite so in the Morris Museum. And, yes, in Longreach, yes, yes. Okay. And it, we named it Saltbush after, so it's uh, Saltbush, of course, is a, is a um, grass, well, a grass, it's probably, it's a perennial that grows out here and um, in a lot of Queensland and it's a well um used stock feed um, as well. So saltbush, it was just local to the area and that's why we came up with the name. Fantastic that we've got um, some really wonderful award-winning uh, businesses in this state. So congratulations on that. As, as a final word, um, moving forward, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges moving <coughs> forward at the moment? Um, well, I think as everyone sort of acknowledged, you know, the JobKeeper was a wonderful initiative by the government for us all. But even within that, um, some of our staff have moved. Um, they had opportunities. Our two restaurant managers here at the Long Reach Motor Inn have moved. Mm. They, had, they were um, both offered positions elsewhere. Um, so one of our big challenges now is actually getting staff back as things get busier. Yeah. Um, getting sufficient staff back and also so that we can reopen Harry's here in, at the motor end. Um, you know, even now as we speak, um, this, this week's been so busy trying to get housekeepers, sufficient housekeepers back now to to just turn the rooms over is, has been difficult. I mean, we have difficulty all, all the time in the season and we always have a few backpackers at this time of year, of course, <clears throat> because we weren't sort of knowing what was going to happen and we were wanting to give as much of the work as we could to the locals. But it's just because it's got so busy so quickly, you know, we're really, everyone's getting a lot of hours. The staff that we have are getting a lot of hours at the moment. So yeah. I'm sure they're all happy. But, yeah, that, that's a big challenge for us. And I think, you know, for Longreach <clears throat> in general, and, you know, we, at this time of year we have a lot of the bus routes coming through. So... That's very challenging to those companies trying to sort out how they will do that. So yeah. that will be that'll take a big um, that'll take a lot to fill yes. for us with independent travellers. Mm. Um, so and you know the bus for the bus companies it's very difficult at the moment to sort um, out they can get some numbers into those. I mean the people will come but they legally can't put them in there yet. Of course. Yeah. Oh, it's so, very, very tricky for, for very. Uh, tour transport. It's, yes. you know, the, the <laughs> rules have been quite ambiguous, you know. Yes. They, they talk about that flights can arrive with people side by side, that you know, right. in coaches they have to be or in boats they have to be so far apart. That's right. But, but you yeah. raised a really, really interesting point that I think, um, you know, often when government make these announcements, they forget that the, the type of people that you employ 
or that you had employed have now left local communities and they've gone yes. home to be with friends and family. Yes, that's right. And you can't just automatically within 24 hours just pick them up to be able no. to put them back in. So, yeah. Well, I wish you all the very best, Judy, Thank for you. both of your properties. And um, hopefully you. as the state opens up, they'll all start to see the beautiful wonders that Longreach has to offer it. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you. Renee, um, just back to you. You were talking about renovations. So how did you take advantage of this time and what did you do to the property? Yep, so we we had a fair amount of time in there and, and again, we took the advantage of the JobKeeper. So our staff were absolutely elated when we said, look, we're going to do some renovations. So they came in as well and helped us out with that. So... Um, a lot of our accommodation had already been renovated prior, um, so our sites needed some, um, you know, attention. So we've got um, what we call our Roaring Forties, which are sites that look out towards the ocean, and the retaining wall. Um, there was so much potential to make the sites all larger, um, even though they were already quite large sites. So we've put, um, we've increased the retaining wall to it so that all the sites become level, and that was a big project on its own because Ben had to create the cast mould for the actual retainer wall. Um, Then also all of our amenities, um, they got all a new paint job. The staff absolutely loved painting. Very, very therapeutic, I suppose you could say. Um, And then also our office. We've been wanting to renovate our office, but obviously being, you know, a a seven-day-a-week business, you don't get the opportunity to shut that office down. Um, So I took great pleasure in um, smashing all the tiles in the actual <laughs> office. That was very, yes, that was awesome. That was my therapy. Um, so we've managed to do that. We've done a big switch out from electric hot water systems over to gas. So that was, we were able to get our um, contractor in to be able to do that. So we did a big changeover on that area. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of renovations also that the guests probably won't see in the way that it's underground piping and, and so forth that you can't do when you've got a park full of people. Um, And also our mini golf got half completed. We haven't finished that one off, but we can't have it open anyway underneath our health management plan. So, so yeah, there's quite a few projects and also our unpowered site's got a bit of attention as well. So, yeah. Again, I think it's wonderful that your staff could be part of the solution and, and as you open up can be very proud of the product that you're about to deliver. So, um, yeah, it's it's wonderful when you, and again, for yourself, you know, when you're working seven days a week, you can often identify things that need to change, but it's so hard to get in there when there are, you've got guests. So if there is a little bit of a silver lining, the fact that you've set yourself up for success as far as improvement of the, the property is concerned is, is wonderful. So you're obviously in a, a relatively good cash flow situation to be able to put those funds out. So what you did previously Look, set you for that? Um, I'd have to say... My bookkeeper and my accountant have both always up me saying, no, Renee, just just steady up, you know, because I am a little bit of a, a hard taskmaster when it comes to, you know, bookkeeping and accounting and stuff. But don't get me wrong, we're on a fine line. Um, we did over 100000 in refunds, um, which was very hard to take. Wow. Um, in, in an understanding that, you know, a lot of our guests are, are hardworking families and they needed that money back. So, And we're coming up to our really peak time, which was Easter, where a majority of the payments had already been paid in full. So there was quite a large refund to go back there. Um, but, yeah, I did we – ha- we have been working. Like I said, we've been open for eight years that we've been here. And, yes, I, I am a bit of a, a saver and, and I'll put aside what I can put aside to make sure that we can get those tasks done, yes. Look, congratulations for um, your integrity in regard to those refunds. I mean, it's it's very hard when you see the money in the bank and then all of a sudden it's it's the rug that is pulled out from within you. But as you said, you know, people have done it in good faith and hopefully those people that had previous bookings are a lot of those are coming back and asking to rebook. Is that the case? Um, now, yeah, yeah. Um, we've got a lot of our local following market because that's a majority of our market is local. We do have um, a 40% international but 60% local. And, yeah, they're, they're all wanting to get out. They're all wanting to explore their own backyard, which is really awesome. Um, and it's great to see that support not just for us but also for other local, you know, um, tourism operators out there. Um, they're seeing a very similar picture as well, which is great to see. Um, but 
I have to put it out there that I'm really grateful to my staff, the fact that they've stayed on board and, you know, they've enjoyed the time. Um, but I must say it's now at a point where there's a lot of pressure on them because we are under such regulations that their workload has increased, um, their hours, because they're all casual, um, their hours have basically doubled. So I have to keep a good eye on them now because they're coming to me and saying, you know, look, this is just so much more than we anticipated. Um, so, it, it, you know, it's time to support them as well. So, but it's awesome to have them. Well done. And thank you. All the very best as we start to open up. Um, Joanna, Townsville has always been a great supporter of the Reef HQ. Knowing that you're only going to be open for another, is it, what, what did you say you're closing, what time next year? In February, so we'll be open for about six months. Okay, so I'm assuming that you're, that's where most of your focus will be for the locals or VFR. What's the plan of attack there? Yeah, um, it's a little bit hard. We actually don't know when we reopen um, to maintain capacities. We'll be operating under the zoos and aquariums um, industry COVID safe plan. Um, so that in our facility will give us a capacity of 110 guests at a time. Um, during school holidays, especially like mermaids and things, that definitely is um, above that capacity. Um, so we'll be opening with... Um, time sessions um, so we'll have a members only session in the morning um, because our members are one of our main um, uh, markets every single year and they they we have people who come in every single week and up for coffee so kind of giving them that chance to come in um, and then we'll have a three-hour morning session and a three-hour afternoon session um, but we can't offer our talks and tours programs at the moment. Um, and so, yeah, because we're reopening just after school holidays and without now's our biggest time where we get the grey nomads and we get the interstate travellers and we also get a lot of international travellers. We normally do a lot of edutourism programs right now with groups from the States who come over and spend nine days with our education team. Um, so without all of that, I think we're really just concentrating on the members um, and the local community just, you know, while we're open, it's really hard to um, go into contracts with any other businesses because they're so short term and we can't deliver the product that we normally would deliver or be able to offer. Well, it's, it certainly is a, an interesting, you've obviously had this renovation planning years in advance. It's just a shame that it couldn't kind of coincided with the closure, but it's very hard to bring those things forward. So, Yeah, and so we only got the funding announcement in December, and so we have to go through the Public Works Committee as a government organisation, and we're almost at the point where we can um, go to tender for the head contractor for those works. So we have done a little bit of maintenance over this time. Um, in a predecessor for some of those bigger works, we had some really big crane lifts um, just the other week where we needed to move chillers and thermal energy storage units and things. Um, but, yeah, just trying to line everything up, it would have been nice if we could have moved those works forward, but it, it wasn't to be. Uh, just as COVID has hit everybody, everything was quite unexpected. I know the complexity of the aquarium, having seen the behind the scenes and, and also see what the... Um, what the what the visitor sees and I what you're planning for the future is going to be very complex and will require an enormous amount of organization. Will your staff continue during that time or will will they need to be put on to some leave? No, all of our staff will continue. Um, we'll still have our animals in the facility during the closure. So our curatorial team They'll still be on site every day um, to look after the animals and the life support systems. Our education team, they have a really large digital outreach program. So they've been delivering video conferences during this closure. They just did one. Um, it went to India and it was in all these other countries around the world at the same time. So that'll be a major focus for them. Um, and the marketing team will focus a lot of on a, our reinvigorated membership program, um, we'll have to go back to voucher agents for contracting, you know, tour products and everything like that, um, website development and hopefully some app development. 
Um, so the only staff that will be impacted will be our casuals, um, our front of house staff. But, um, you know, we did give them a year's, you know, a year's notice as such. And we have been able to keep them on throughout this whole COVID situation. And we um, redirected them to a digitization project as well. So, um, yeah, most all of our uh, permanent staff will continue. All right. Well, I encourage everybody as the state opens up to take the time if they can visit Townsville, please visit the aquarium. It is absolutely sensational. If you've got any any kitties, I know that they'll be blown away, but all the adults will certainly enjoy the experience as well. So thanks very much, Joanna. I really appreciate you participating. And final words, Lisa. Um, what, what have been some of the key learnings that you've taken out of this particular situation? Um, to stop reading too much because then I don't get any sleep. <laughs> so um, they kept changing the rules on JobKeeper too much and I knew more than the ATO half the time. So, um, yeah, I quite enjoyed trying to help my staff get it and then the ones that couldn't get it, I helped them get JobSeeker. I just wanted to make sure that they were okay. Um, so, yeah, they're all back now. Um, so we're really happy to have them on board. And, yeah, we're just looking to the future on how we can use Harry's in a different way. We're thinking make maybe um, picnic baskets for outside, um, but we need storage and space for that. Um, we were lucky enough to do takeaway for Elton John for his final concert, but I wasn't allowed to promote it, so I am now. So, um, <laughs> so. Yeah, we're hoping to do a bit more of that by high-end, high-end um, the jets that come in because the airport has just opened internationally even though no flights are coming in. But, yeah, we're hoping to look on different avenues that the restaurant can take even if we can't fill the function area because we had two pharmaceutical um, functions per pharmaceutical industry-like group per year and we've lost out on them. And I don't know if the doctors will ever be able to go out and go to a function anytime soon um, and everybody tends to come to Harry's for their um, big occasions, um, birthdays or anniversaries with all their families. So even though they're having smaller intimate ones, um, we're really happy that they keep coming to us. But, yeah, they're, they're slowly understanding that we can't fit that many people in even though we do have the space and they're, what are you talking about? But, um yeah, they get it eventually. <laughs> it is such a shame because I've seen some beautiful photos uh, that you have posted where you've ha you know hosted intimate weddings and, and like you say, mm. special occasions, whether it's milestone birthdays or anniversaries or things like that. Mm. So you you are obviously, if you're speaking to people about the fact that you can't do it, I'm hoping that you know the inquiry level is certainly picking up for you. Yeah, the inquiry level is. Um, we used to do uh, monthly degustation meals with like themed ones and we are continuing that, just offering that on multiple days. So we're doing Christmas in July over three days, whereas we used to do it just one night. So then we can still get the amount of people in and they can have matching wines. And I think people prefer that as well because they're not stuck to one date. Um, so that one's been quite popular. So um, we're hoping to do that. But, yeah, we were supposed to be part of the Curated Plate program, but that was um, put to bed this year. So, um, yeah, hopefully the events will keep running, um, long lunches with chamber events and things like that, and visit Sunshine Coast, who've been really supportive. Um, yeah, hopefully that will come in the, in the future, but just with smaller numbers. Well, hopefully she makes it two square metres instead of four square metres. So anything we'll be happy with. Absolutely. So <laughs> hopefully we will get more announcements over the as the week comes. Queensland has obviously done so very well. We need to be able to support and thank everybody that, that has contributed to our success. So once again, ladies, I just want to say thank you. You have again shown amazing resilience of this tourism industry you've shown innovative and creativity in regard to your your packaging and your promotion your connectivity and your partnerships with with each other with your destination regional tourism associations I congratulate you on 
on the caring that you show to your staff to, you know, keep them engaged as much as possible and where possible, allow them to be part of that solution. So they can also build that, that as I mentioned before, that resilience muscle and actually feel as if they're making a contribution, a positive contribution, whether it's cleaning or painting, you know, an amenities block or sitting down and, and being part of a strategy session. I think it's really important People want to contribute. They want to be able to, you know, come from a different perspective. And I've always encouraged that when um, when we're looking at what's going to happen into the future. So once again, I want to say thank you very much for, for saying yes. Um, for everybody that's here today, we had Lisa Bell from Harry's and Butter and Restaurant. We have Renee Atherton from Cape Hillsborough Nature Park, Judy Kennedy from Longreach Motor Inn and Saltbush. Joanna Herford from Reach Hapu, and we had Nikki from Bad Fishy Jet Boating. Uh, as I mentioned before, the whole purpose of this series is about connecting, engaging, and supporting women, and I hope that that's what we've done also within this session. This, the whole webinar series has been made possible due to the Queensland Government's Advancing Women in Business Initiative, so I just want to say thank you to them. And also thank you for the support of our industry stakeholders, which include Tourism Events Queensland and QTIC. Next week, I'd just like to mention we were having Rebecca Gullen, who was from Surface Paradise Marriott Resort and Spa this week. She was going to be on next week. Unfortunately, she was ill. She will be accompanied by Kirsty Rogers from the Windmill Cafe in beautiful Bundaberg. Nicole Graham from the Sundayer and Lady Enid products in the beautiful Wit Sundays. We have um, Sally Pulford from Howard Smith Wards in Brisbane. That'll be really interesting to find out what happens with such a large organisation like that opening up. We're going to have Steph from Aquacine and Magnetic Island, beautiful Maggie, and Carolyn from the Passchendaele Farm Holidays, um, representing Southern Queensland country. So. Really excited to welcome them for week seven. Then we'll have one following week on week eight. So, ladies, thank you. All the best as we open up. I, I wish you much, much success. I hope everybody, you know, those phones start to ring, the emails come through, and we will survive this together. Well done. Thank you. And all the very best. See you later, bud. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Advancing Women in Tourism podcast. For more information and to connect with Kayleen, visit btlgems.com.au.